When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Tom, big week for Top Chef. We had blindfolds. We had crab shells. But is there anything bigger than a best of three cage match in Last Chance Kitchen? This was the biggest week of television since maybe Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones. I was so into it. Now, cavalry charge! This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnabas. And I'm Tom Haverstrow. Tom, big week. Uh, an absolutely epic Last Chance Kitchen finale. And I mean, we don't mean to bury the main show, but if you have not watched, dear audience, yes. the what was a very hard-to-find part two of Last Chance Kitchen, it included the main cast. It was absolutely riveting. It was frenetic. You should absolutely pause this pad- podcast. Please come back to it. And, and and watch because your 26 minutes will be well spent. Tom, I mean, yeah. I defer to you. I mean, please, you were the one who texted me and I didn't even know it existed and said, you got to watch this. I mean, it was crazy. It was awesome. I started seeing some tweets trickling in about, oh my God, Last Chance Kitchen this week. And I didn't think I could possibly come down from the high that I was on. Um, after we got Tom Colicchio on the podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to that. You don't have to do it right now. You can keep listening to this, but make sure you listen to that Tom Colicchio interview we did earlier this week. That was what, you know, one of the top adult moments of my life was getting on the horn with, uh, with Tom Colicchio for what, 20, how many, we had 20, 26 minutes, 26 minutes, action packed, 26 minutes. It was great. Go check that out. Um, I didn't think I could come down from the high. And I didn't come down from the high because this episode um, had one of my favorite things, which is the blind taste test. And then I find out that there's not just one Last Chance Kitchen episode, but there's a two Last Chance Kitchen episodes. And then the second, the part two is basically another episode. Like there was three episodes essentially of Last Chance Kitchen uh, this week. And whew, not only that, Kevin, we have... The person, the chef tested who has been on the show more than anybody else. I believe that's a true fact. Chef Jennifer Carroll is going to join us later in the episode. So we've got lots to get into, Kevin. All right. Uh, big themes this week. Great week for Stephanie. And, and, and oh, I'm very happy about this because, so first of all, she wins my stuck in an elevator challenge. 
There are so many uh, contestants and chefs that I like on this show. But if you asked me, stuck in an elevator for three hours, I think Stephanie's my winner. She's just heart of gold, humility, but funny. I like the quips. I mean, just a wonderful combination of, of, of characteristics. And she got a big win. Started it with the blindfold. We had my favorite time. You know I love the blindfolded oh, test. Uh, the, the chefs needed had 20 ingredients. They had to identify. The winner uh, got more time on their dessert challenge. Stephanie won that. It did not actually pay off. And I do want to talk to you, Tom. There was very little correlation between the amount of time afforded each chef mm. and their overall performance. We will get to that. But the big story of the week, Kevin Gillespie, Atlanta's finest, back in the competition, wins that two out of three series against the current contestant pool. As you said, possibly the best last chance kitchen we've ever seen. Um, To me, these are the two big stories of the week and really just the overall theme, which is now we're getting down to it, Tom. Yep. We're getting down to it. You know, like, like there's just more focus there. We are, we are we are getting to the elite of the elite. There are going to be some very good chefs that come home. There's some surprise hangers on. It was great again to see Stephanie accumulate some confidence. Malarkey's hanging around. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Tom, I, a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, I also add that Gregory's bleeding. He is bleeding real blood. He Gregory is not this uh, invincible juggernaut that we thought a few episodes ago. Not his best week. Um, and I loved what he did in, in Last Chance Kitchen where he volunteered himself to go against Kevin for the heavyweight bout before he gets into the competition. Um, but, you know, it's the first zero that Gregory has had in this competition. He had zero points this week uh, after not having qualifying in the quick fire, not having a, a good finish in the um, at the at the comp, at the Olympic competition, and then at the Last Chance Kitchen, he he lost to Kevin at the end, quote unquote, lost. So uh, great irony too, Tom, because here's a guy. I, I mean, if I said flavor, pick a chef, the answer has always been Gregory. Kind of under under uh, under salts that broth. Um, yeah. Did a classically beautiful Japanese dish. I mean, I think he kind of captured the sort of the the, the spirit of. Uh, Kaiseki probably more than any other chef. I think that's the dish I would want to eat over all the other ones. Like that one looked so good, the Gregory's dish, but under salt, under season. Yeah. So uh, you're right. I mean, there's just a little destabilization. Uh, Melissa did win the the cake or or dessert challenge with her 45 minutes. Um, Also, Tom, just so my dessert. Uh, my 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 partner makes so much fun of me. He's like, yeah, every, Kevin wants an olive oil cake for dessert, you know. <laughs> um, but with the Ed Cuck, Ed custard ice cream, the blackberries, uh, malarkey, nice showing with the, with a very truncated thirty minutes. Comes in with the wood fire cake, actually manages to create an ice cream that doesn't look like snot. Um, yep. Pink peppercorn, good for him. Uh, you know, by the way, cooking pretty well. You know, for a guy that I think we had as a distant sixth or seventh or whatever, um, you know, he's kind of in the mix every week now. Uh, he's creative. He, he kind of he can execute under pressure. Um, but but again, just kind of a a really fascinating series of challenges. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a lot to take away. Melissa did win. What did you think of the reward? Right, she gets Kaseki just for those who, who you know just to recoup. It's a very structured six-course meal with some very defined courses. Um, it's sort of the most classical Japanese meal. Uh, if you go to Ennaka, 
that is a wonder, Tom, one of my three favorite meals in Los Angeles. I can't even get in anymore. But uh, yeah, that's what Gregory it, said. There's just no, you can't get a table. It's like one of those where they only, I think they only have like a couple, a few seatings a week. And if like the minute they release the three month out and I, I, maybe it's two, I forget, like you better be on that, that, that you're, you better be logged on at like 11 because they're 1101, they're gone or whatever <laughs> the timing is. So, um, you know, and, and they just kind of demanded perfection. I mean, oftentimes the judges are sort of, I mean, these judges did not want sort of their favorite, their favorite <laughs> meal screwed with they they wanted they were demanding and it was they wanted perfection it was creating some tension that with a show like i i liked you know yeah would would you compare it to naoi in in miami like the the meal at nanaka no he's wonderful and does a lot of um classical stuff but this is sort of a very very defined meal okay because it 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 was it was a great it was great to see these top chef all-stars be a little intimidated. Yeah. I mean, he does like more edu, you know, like, but this is, uh, this is kind of straight up Kaiseki. I thought Voltaggio was going to be a shoe in for this one. And the fact that Stephanie won, which I thought was a, a Voltaggio special is just like very elevated, but like precise tweezery meal. Um, and Voltaggio did have a really good dish placed very well in this one, but, um, I want to talk about this blind taste test real quick. Okay. The blind taste test is probably the best quick fire challenge. Love on it. Top Always been a favorite. It is incredible. It is so fun. I wish there was another five minutes on this. I did. I went all in on this and I, I tracked each ingredient. What was of the 20 ingredients? And I'll read them off. Pepitas. Guava paste. Peach, lavender, blue cheese, white chocolate, ricotta, lychee, pistachio, thyme, almond butter, tarragon, lemon, prosciutto, coconut, dark chocolate, tomatoes, blackberries, dried cherries, and milk chocolate. Of all those ingredients, Kevin, I I screen grabbed their uh, each contestant's guesses correctly. And did you have all twenty? Did they log that somewhere? They they listed the ones that they got correct, and then they did a little like. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It that's showed right. the tray of all the ingredients. Or right, the, right. All the, all the, so there was only one, one food that all six contestants got correctly. And I'm going to read what? it again. Pepitas, guava paste, peach, lavender, blue cheese, white chocolate, ricotta, lychee, pistachio, thyme, almond butter, tarragon, lemon, prosciutto, coconut, dark chocolate, tomatoes, blackberries, dried cherries, and milk chocolate. One of those foods was six for six. Let me think. So, I mean, I'm tempted to say lavender because it's so specific. Great, like, you know great. lavender when you smell it. it. Lavender was five out of six. The okay. only one that did not get it was Melissa. And we do know that Melissa went did not finish all of her ingredients. She just, okay, she so that was probably it. I mean, so time. maybe lavender would have been six for six. Or maybe it was 100% five for five. But um, it was time? one of... No, time at three out of six. That's interesting. I feel like it's also very, like the spices you kind of know. I mean, peach would be my only other guess. Peach was five out of six. Another one that I was at up. the top. Gregory, believe it or not, did not get the peach. What on did he the, say, like nectarine or something? I don't know. I thought, it, I thought he might have gotten it. But um, the number one answer was blue cheese. 
blue cheese, oh, that six makes out of six. Total sense. Everybody knows that. I mean, yeah. I guess you could say like gargonzola. Nah, I mean, that's an easy one, right? So the two bottom ones were guava paste. Gregory was the only one who got it. And pistachio, Mel got that. Uh, Melissa got it. And interesting. interesting. When, when you saw the pistachio in the little cup, Kevin, it was ground up. So it wasn't um, a pistachio nut. It was crushed pistachio. So I think the texture might have thrown some. That, I, that makes total sense. Yeah. So Kevin, big week for Stephanie. Not only does she win the, uh, the elimination challenge for her dessert, but also she got the most of the 15. She got 15 out of 20 correct. Given the tragedy that she opened up the show with um, of her brother passing away, I just, my heart was so full watching this episode, seeing her smile. She has the best lines, the one, the one-liners on this show. Like when Padma comes out and says, "Let the games begin," and she just turns to Gregory and goes, "What have we been doing?" Yeah, that, was, that was fantastic. Um, so, I'm so happy for her. Yeah, and, and and she's a chef. You know, she's she's probably the most vulnerable chef on the interviews. She makes no bones about the fact that she at times lacks for confidence, which, which conveys a certain vulnerability. Yep. She is someone I, I think who's needed a win badly uh, again, because I, and look, truthfully, I, I mean, she's obviously, I mean, you, you don't, you don't pick up these, this win without being a, a fantastic chef, but you know, I, I think sometimes her decisions are, are a little more conventional when you, when you start think we start looking at a Voltaggio or a Melissa King creation and you're just like, I mean that that that's what makes a fantastic chef, right? Not only the ability to execute, but the ability to conceive. And you know, Stephanie, that that has not been where where she's been strong. And I think the dessert was a great assignment for her. And oh, the creativity! I mean, using the yuzu, the orange granita, using the shell—like yes. that was just. I mean, she really, really just stepped up. I, I'm I'm really again the backstory. I mean, I can't imagine the grief of, of losing a sibling. And the, it was just, it was great to see, as you said. And so it was, it was a nice arc. I mean, well done by Top Chef, our producers and editors, um, just, you know, kind of creating that arc over the course of the episode. Um, and uh, yeah, she won for the dessert. Uh, I mean, let's go to the meal. I, I felt like the Kaiseki yeah. going in, Tom, I felt like it favored Melissa and Voltaggio. They are the cleanest chefs. Mm-hmm. They are probably the most technical-oriented and they're the ones who I think best know how to temper ambition with restraint, which is what Kaiseki demands. Gregory is every bit as good as them, but I, I think um, he works in a different medium. I mean, he even said, I mean, this is, this is somewhat of a departure. Uh, he is interested in amping up flavors. I think Kaiseki in, in classical Chinese food, I think, is very much about tempering those flavors and finding this very showcasing the ingredients not in in a in a big mix of ingredients it's just right. like that is gonna pop but but it, it, it almost harkens back to an earlier the the disney hall challenge where look you're going for umami it's not that you can't have spice but not interested in spice right like the the sort of spicy sweet sour um tangy thing that Gregory is so good at wetting those flavors. It's not that you can't do that, but again, just as evidence of his choice, right? Like, like he left that stuff at the door and good for him, right? He knew, Hey, this is an away game. It is my job to conform to the specific, you know, to the stipulations of the challenge. Whereas I think Melissa and Valtaggio, my sense was going in, 
this works their strengths yes. in a way that it doesn't Gregory, it doesn't Melissa. Stephanie, the jury's out, and it certainly does not favor Brian Malarkey. Right, of course. Now let's talk about this, Kevin. Melissa's decision to leave it up to this, her competitors to choose which dish they want or what uh, level of the kaiseki that, she, that they do. Instead of saying, ah, I know Malarkey's not going to do well here. I'm going to choose this one for Malarkey. I'm going to choose that one for Gregory. He doesn't do this particularly well. She just leaves it up to them and, sa- and a little bit of strategy here. I don't know if I would have done that. I'm a different person. Um, I'm probably a little bit meaner than Melissa, who's as sweet as 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 sugar. She just seems like someone I can't imagine being like, ooh, yeah, Gregory, I'm going to stick you with this one. Or, or I was surprised by that. Um, yes, I, I will say this. I don't know how I would have assigned it in mind, keeping in mind, like, like let's go through the courses, right? So I would think that the, Going in, I was like, the grill item is the easiest, right? I thought it now, would be until right. there was no now, grill look, at the freaking the, the Coliseum. You, right. You yeah. got to nail a protein, so, so that, yeah. and that's not hard. I mean, you, you miss on that. Yeah. But – and I felt bad for Karen, and I, and I want to speak to this, and I'll speak to this later. Let's go through more, more of these sort of – I don't know – I mean, like, who would be a disadvantage with soup? Like, are we looking to put Malar- – like, I guess you know who the least desserty chef is. I mean, who is the least desserty chef? I don't know. Least dessert. Gregory show. has dis- has discussed that he is not a big fan of doing dessert. It's not his thing, right? Um, and it wasn't his thing even in the LCK. So, um, I, I mean, maybe hey, I want to neutralize Gregory. Let's give him dessert. Okay, so so we got that one. You want? I was surprised she wanted steam. I mean, I, I don't know that Chawan Mushi, although she did a beautiful job with it, except well, setting, it does present some real margin for error. It, it, you know what? I think if she had known that there was not one of those steam baskets that she traditionally makes a steam dish, because she later said that, like, I'm not used to these industrial steamers. I had to use that huge industrial st- steamer in the kitchen. Had she had known that there was no, like, steam baskets at her disposal, maybe she would have chosen something different. But given that she was probably imagining this dish in her head, how she traditionally cooks it, maybe she knows she could nail that dish. Yeah. I mean, look, I think malarkey, if you want to, you know, if you want to sort of trip up malarkey, I I would say that I I think he actually, you know, the soup, which requires this very clean broth and you can't do too much with it. You know, you drop in and by the way, those ingredients aren't going to be spiced the way maybe he could have fun on the grill. He could probably, uh, the rice dish, I can imagine him, it it allows, in other words, the soup dish allow certainly an appetizer allows for some freedom. If you want to box malarkey in, I think soup is actually the place you might want to do it. I think I would do the palate cleanser, the first one, where it's supposed to be just something very clean. I might put it's, malarkey on it's that. It's clean, one. but you can do a lot of different shit with it, right? Like, yeah? it's, it's, okay. I mean, they, the rawness, yeah, is part of it. But I think, like, when you do a crudo, and it's—I mean, I don't want to insult it by calling it crudo, but but I think that hey. I'll do a little avocado confit. I can do, oh, throw mm. some caviar in there. Like I think it gives you a little more flexibility where, whereas that soup course is just that very defined kind of dashi-ish broth it, and, and you just have to kind of play within, within, the, within the form. But I, I, think it's, I think it's also a long play. I think when you do something like that, it builds a lot of trust and empathy with your, t- with, with your teammates. And so when you need something later, it, maybe Melissa is saying, okay, maybe she's not as calculated as this. I, I doubt she is, in fact. 
but later on it might pay dividends for her is this idea that like if she was in need of an extra hand or an extra ingredient that they're more likely to give it to her because hey you weren't as vindictive in that in that scenario as you could have been so i mean but uh, you know eric talked about it when he came on the show though for whatever reason this season and maybe it's just common respect that there's just not a lot of yeah. Static. Like, can't, like, can't wait to ask uh, Jennifer about this. Look, yeah. even in LCK, Kevin was like, you guys choose. Like, like, I mean, I was shocked by that. And we'll get to that in a second. But like, I mean, you're down. This is a sudden death. And you're basically allowing them to throw uh, no disrespect to Stephanie. But to me, They're that like, was an easy call. Like, can I get Scott Burrell here or Michael Jordan? Right, okay, right. I'm getting like, I'm going to yeah, choose Michael MJ. Jordan. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, all right. So, you know, it goes. So I, I don't know. You know, it, you could almost overthink it. Now, Karen, I, and I want to say this, Karen got eliminated. Um, some of that was in her control. I feel like, I really feel for the chefs who go out on essentially infrastructural. Oh, I hated that she got out on this. Because it, it it was infrastructural, right? Like, she doesn't have surface area for the grill. I mean, come on. I mean, it's one thing to have an industrial steamer. I get it. That puts you at some disadvantage. But, like, she's just, I mean... Now, I will say this. When you go to Kaiseki and you get like a duck, like a kind of duck breast, that thing is cut at 90 degree angles. Like you get this little block. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, it is so gorgeous. It almost looks like it was like pressed in a, with a mold. And to have that kind of sloppy ass flopping around kind of cut, <laughs> like I get that was yeah. self-inflicted, but I feel like the infrastructure screwed her. Right, because she has to use so much of her own energy and time trying to get the cook right when she doesn't have a grill at her disposal. She had no grill. She had to create a freaking charcoal grill in a little pan, and there was there was no like there was no Weber grill there that she could use. So I felt really bad for Karen, and you know I I, I could tell that she wasn't pleased with her dish. She got it, um, and she did get to go to Last Chance Kitchen. Um, you know, finally, Again. I, I think it's fair to say, Tom, Voltaggio had the easiest assignment. He did beautiful with it. But you're basically asked to work with raw fish. There's no <laughs> soup component. There's no, you need to set your custard. Um, I mean, you could argue There's no dessert. machinery. There's no machinery There's involved. no, exactly. It is limited technology. You can play around. You're basically doing a Japanese-style crudo. So you have to be a little more restrained. This ain't going to be Miami crudo. Who's your boy, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Is it not Top Chef? It's Top Crudo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jeremy bless Ford. his heart. I love crudo. But but I, I think in terms of degree of difficulty, Voltaggio had the easiest ride. Uh, and he paid it off. I mean, he yeah. paid it off. Let me ask you this. Did you think Melissa was going home for her shell? No, because it was clear that the re- – I mean, look. If not for Karen, I, I think she could have. I don't think Gregory's going home for the lack of salt. I don't think, um, you know, maybe malarkey. Uh, but, I, you know, I think they generally liked him. Mean, you got Tariko saying, I saved my prawn. I was so, you know, I, I was so into it. Right. So, I mean, who knows? This is the second week in a row, Kevin, that Melissa almost went home. So she had their salad last week, her romaine grapefruit salad. And then this week she had... The, uh, the shell in her, um, in her dish, which, you know, I don't know where Gail was this week. Um, wasn't on this episode. We miss you, Gail. Uh, we all miss Gail. She's not there. But when, when everyone was saying, like, you're out, like, that's, that's a critical error. I thought, oh, man, what if Melissa goes out right before they go to the playoffs? Wow. Um, 
let's go. We only have a few minutes before uh, Liz Jen Carroll graces us. Um, I mean, let's let's talk more specifically about Last Chance Kitchen and yeah. that wild ride. So it's Last Chance Kitchen. I already knew that there was a multiple. So I go into it seeing part one, 12 minutes, part two, like 25 minutes or whatever it was. So I'm sitting here like, what is, what is going to happen? Like, I don't understand how they can blow out a double, a triple episode of Last Chance Kitchen. And the first thing that they had to do was a tea competition. So Karen actually, and this might've been just serendipitous. Karen did a duck roast, like duck smoke, tea smoked duck in her elimination challenge and then has to incorporate these tea dishes, uh, tea elements in against uh, Kevin Gillespie. And I thought it was super close. Honest. I thought Karen might've won that one, but um, Kevin pulls out with the, with the, the, the tea dish. Um, He had a tuna rubbed uh, dish with, with tea, um, hibiscus, mint, um, I, I, I don't know. I just looking at the two dishes, I thought Karen was going to win, win this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's awfully good. I mean, Gillespie is really, 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 really talented. Now where he got in trouble, I think is round two. And you could see the, the, the disparity of focus, right? Like, like up until the end, I mean, Kevin, and look, you want, I mean, improvisation is part of great cooking. The whimsy is something that really informs his work and it, it is great. And because he has the technical skills, even when he is being whimsical, it just kind of comes together. He knows how to play. Um, however, you could see early on with, with the stink bomb, like, man, he was all over the place. Uh, was, that, that was, a, that was a, that was a, uh, what's his name? Kuzu, uh, Kuzu, uh, you remember, um, the LA kosher Mexican. Oh, uh, Katsuji. That was a Katsuji spec. Yeah. Like, like, well, let's back up here, Kevin, because we, we started the episode. I should have mentioned last chance kitchen. The great twist of last Ch- chance kitchen was teased at the beginning. When you're in the house, you're in the top chef house and they're all like, Oh, so what are we going to do today? Oh, uh, I don't know. What do you think we're going to do? I bet we're going to go to the top chef kitchen. What if we're going to last chance kitchen? And then they cut away from that. They go to Last Chance Kitchen, and you don't know why they're going. You don't know when they're going to show up. But, of course, against Karen, there's no uh, Top Chef contestants coming back. And then finally, when he beats Karen, you see the Top Chef contestants come in, and he gets – I loved the setup that Tom did was – it was he – Kevin had three opponents. He had to win three dishes. Each opponent – he could pick the opponent and he had to win two out of three. So Kevin picks the opponent, the opponent picks the ingredient and then Tom picks the dish. Like whoever sat in that conference room, Kevin and concocted this, this last chance kitchen final uh, play in tournament to get into the, the, the actual competition deserves an Emmy. I thought this was brilliant. Each person gets a little bit of say, and it is just a bruja. So you get uh, Kevin chooses Malarkey for his first con- uh, opponent. They <laughs> Malarkey chooses um, he cho- uh, what did he he choose? He had to choose the ingredient. So he, I can't remember. Malarkey Wait. got to choose the ingredient, didn't he? Yeah. What was it? Fruit and nuts. No, that was that was Gregory. Anyway, so um, 
Tom Colicchio says we're doing a risotto. And they do a risotto. Uh, and this is this is obviously a top chef ism is the fact you do not you do not do risotto. So they bring back the risotto according to topchefstats.com. Uh J, J, uh Lynn, Lynn who does that site. Seven people in Top Chef history have been eliminated for risotto. It's and as unreal. Brian Voltaggio said, it is the kiss of death. Um, and so it, it was a big deal that they had to do risotto right off the bat. And kudos to Tom Colicchio for doing that. Um, so they had to do risotto. Kevin wins. And then they go against – he goes and picks uh, Voltaggio. Interesting Which choice. I, I, I thought, and I thought it was a good choice. I mean, Voltaggio is a guy who needs some time to kind of assemble. Yeah. Uh, and you know it's he's not he's not a whip something up kind of chef i mean it is very studied it is very it is very technical it is it is produced um and he yep. there's a reason he's never won a, a quick fire so I, I thought it was an interesting choice the big decision was round 3 and and i thought that was a really i mean i'm shocked Maybe I mean, he was you, too exhausted. Maybe he was like, "I can't, I can't do this anymore." You guys pick. That's what I look, think happened. And I, and I, okay, but fine. But <laughs> you, you've got. I mean, I think that it's fair to say, and and we're big fans of Stephanie here. But like, there is a disparity between her and some of the. You know, I mean, look, we've got a scorecard here. We see the yellow tens on our little scorecard. You know, four of them for Gregory at that time. You know, she'd won one. I don't even know that he was aware of that. And, no. you know, to say he could have gotten stuck with Melissa. And I, and I just think that, I, look, proof is in the pudding. He won it. Um, he did great. But, I, I mean, that is kamikaze top chef. Yeah, and you know Gregory's not going to lay down for him. No. Gregory's too, he, he wants this thing. He came within inches of winning it. And, uh, and Kevin, Kevin, Kevin did the kitchen sink for the, for the second round of that. And then for this one, um, he he does the cobbler, which looked amazing. Like if if I'm gonna have ask for one dish from Kevin Gillespie, where does a cobbler rank on you? Like it's up there, man. Now, and, and by the way, I mean, so despite being saddled with arguably the the strongest chef in the competition, and I said it earlier, Gregory has said that he is not a dessert guy. So as it turns out, you know. As much as I say, hey, he should have gone with Stephanie, he would have been up against a pretty deserty chef versus, and instead he drew a guy, a, a guy who, frankly, had some of his, you know, spicy, sweet, tangy, you know, combination neutralized by the challenge. It's not to say he can't work those things in, but in some ways, he got lucky after the assignment of Gregory in that the challenge afforded. Uh, he got a little wiggle room there. Yeah. Right. There was, and and there was I think. He saw some daylight and he pried open that door and he is back in the competition. I was, um, once, once Tom got the brain freeze, I said, it's over. Kevin's yeah, got this. It's over. You can't Nobody. have a brain freeze and still pick the dish. Come on. And also, I mean, the, 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 the cobbler was just, I mean, you ain't going out on that. I mean, yeah, I know the dough wasn't is, 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 it was a little stiff, but still, I mean, that, that is, you're asking a Southerner, to do cobbler. You're asking a guy from Atlanta. I mean, that that's that's a home game. It is. It is. And Kevin, you have your guy back in the competition. Your number one pick. 
your your this is this is the boat you're riding in on is Kevin Gillespie. He is back in the competition. I tell you how I did the scoring real quick is I just gave him a point for each of his little victories. So he beat Karen, he beat um, Malarkey, and he beat uh, Gregory. So he gets three points. We can revisit this in the off season once we we're, we're cool. re- redoing the comp, uh, constitution, constitution. He gets three points, and we basically tied this this week. Nine points for me, eight points for you, and uh, it's one seventy one to one twenty five. Kevin Gillespie is back in the competition. You still have Stephanie. You still have Malarkey, uh, but Karen is out of the competition. I, I got a little sad when I saw Eric and, and um, the, the rest of the crew, Nini, having to say their goodbyes. I got a little, I got a little yeah. teary-eyed. I will say there's always one chef who's just clearly over it. <laughs> you Eric, know? Eric. No, 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 yes, no. It was no. Leanne. It was Leanne. Oh, Leanne. I don't even, was she yeah. even there? <laughs> no, she was. And it, it, just like, it was like the Tanya spot, like, which is, <laughs> why am I here? Like, you've eliminated me. I, we've got no – and it's always and it's always one, and it, it happened to be Leanne. Um, Eric, I thought, was looking a little fatigued there, a little hunched over, like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm a little tired about this. But Leanne, I, the fact that you mentioned Leanne, I don't even remember her being there. So My point exactly. Uh, shall we bring on Jen Carroll? Yes. joined now by chef jen carroll top chef legend top chef veteran um in by one of my favorite food cities in the country from philadelphia jen how are you i'm great how are you guys doing thanks for having me oh it's a pleasure oh this is great i jen am i right to say that you are the most uh veteran of veterans of top chef like i don't think anyone's ever been on the show more times than you have Probably not. <laughs> Angelo runs a cr- close second. And I mean, you can say Brian Voltaggio in a way since he did Top Chef Master. So he did like a different like iteration of it. So he's been competing for a while too. I have you down as season six finalist. Mm-hmm. So that was, we had Tom Colicchio on the pod this week. He yeah. said that was his favorite season. Um, Vegas. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you were also on season eight All Stars. You were also on the Life After Top Chef show. You were mm-hmm. also on the Top Chef duels. You were also on season fifteen, <laughs> Last Chance Kitchen, and here you are, season seventeen All Stars. You're back for some more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now I don't know if our audience can see, but but Jen is wearing one of my my the powder blue and maroon Mike Schmidt Greg Lazinski Manny Trio <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies. Um, tea and and it's just like the the powder blue and maroon is 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 a wonderful just burst of nostalgia on this show for me. So so thank you, Jen, for that. <laughs> Got to represent always. <laughs> so um, so Jen, we we have been recapping every episode this season. Uh, we haven't. I don't think this we've ever had you on the show before. So we're not going to just talk about this season. We're going to go back into history and um and talk about some of your appearances and your experiences. But I, I want, I want to ask you, are you done with top chef? Are you like, you know what? I'm, I'm out. This is enough. I see I've done enough. I'm ready to walk out on my own terms. I've said it was enough every single time I've left each, <laughs> each time. And you know, at this point it's just, it's fun going back and I just keep challenging myself. So yeah, I guess I can't really say never. <laughs> um, Question for you. So, okay, so they're, they're devising this Top Chef All Star Season Seventeen. Um, are you 
what is the audition? Are they coming to you? Are you going to them? Are you making your case for inclusion? Are they saying, yeah, I mean, what is the, what is the process for selection? Shit, Kevin, no one goes to Jen. I mean, no, Jen doesn't go to her. I mean, everyone goes and calls Jen. She's not, you know, volunteering herself. They're calling her. We want yeah, Jen. Yeah, I, I am not volunteering at all. They have called me up and invited me back each time. So I am really lucky that they keep wanting me to come back. And I have just been, uh, you know, taking every opportunity that they've been given to me. Why not, right? What, um, what are you working on right now? Like in your, in, in, in real life, IRL? So in real life, because of the pandemic, I've been pivoting with my partner, who's also my fiance. And we've been, as you can see, like behind me, I have a big like in-home studio set up. We've been, we started a YouTube channel. We are doing tons of Zoom classes and demos um, and just trying to figure out new ways to work in the new normal. Since my restaurant is shut down, we just started doing takeout in Philadelphia this past weekend. Um, and my catering company, it's shut down for now. And we're looking at doing like, I have all like flexible dates on when we're going to do parties again. You know, are they going to be smaller? Is it going to be outdoor parties for the summer? We're still trying to figure everything out, but just, you know, hustling and trying to trying to figure it out, trying to make partnerships with big corporations that are still up and running and want to do cool like client events. I've been doing a bunch of that stuff. So having yeah. fun, trying to have fun and be positive. For anyone in the Philly area, uh, you got to follow Jen Carroll on, on Instagram and on Twitter and get some of that. I mean, you've, um, you've, I hope you're you're doing a sunny dressing or or starting to put out a sunny dress. Are you going to do uh, a reprisal of the um, of the dish that you got sent home for? Because I actually I thought that that sounded really delicious. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm work, I'm working on it, and I will. I'm deciding whether I want to leave in like some of the chunks, like I I did before. I was like Tom said gritty, which I'm like, oh, from Philly, we got gritty, so it, it works, <laughs> right? right. Um, so I am working on something. Hopefully, we'll be able to get that out and be able to put it up on the on our website and get it sold as a product. Um, one of the things I've always appreciated about you is your defiance in the eyes of judgment. Like, like there, there, there are two ways to kind of approach uh, elimination. And one is, yeah, I kind you're of, right. um, yeah, you're right. I, I, and I wish I had more, you know, I just, I was trying. And then they're sort of like, eh, fuck you. Like, 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 that was a perfectly good dish. That was a perfectly good product. And I've always appreciated your device. Like it might be gritty, but I like gritty. So sorry, Tom. <laughs> exactly. And there was an earlier one. Like I, I forget what cheese and like you were, you were, was it the, oh, tell me it wasn't that, that, was that kitty breakfast thing? Yeah, it was, oh, the, it was, it was the what a hideous uh, challenge. That's the, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not a good challenge. <laughs> what a shit challenge. So you, had, you, had to, you had to do a breakfast for kids. We had to do a breakfast. We had to spend the night in the museum and uh, the <laughs> National History Museum up in New York. And then we had to do a breakfast for kids. And the only thing that my team was allowed to use was all protein. We weren't allowed to use like any vegetables or anything like that. And my partner of the challenge, Jamie, it, within the first two minutes, she sliced her finger and 
left and went to the hospital to get stitches. So I was left to like do it myself. And I, yeah, I was definitely not in a, in a good mood. <laughs> it's one of the biggest atrocities in Top Chef history. The fact that, A, you have a Top Chef all-star season and you're making them make kid breakfast. Two, you're, you're making them, you're making Jen have to cover for someone who had to get stitches. And you say plural, but I researched this. Jamie got two stitches. I have never heard someone getting two stitches in my life. It's always like six, seven, eight, nine, or in, 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 a, in a kitchen, how many times have you been like, I could probably get stitches for this cut, but I need to, I need to keep cooking. Um, more times than any. And like, thank God I've never gotten any stitches yet in my entire career of cooking. Maybe I should have a multiple times, but literally it's just, okay, let's, uh, tie this up as tight as I possibly can and put a rubber band around it, put some electrical tape on it, put a glove on and keep working. Like that's just my mentality. That's what the mentality is of a lot of cooks. So I was it's kind of surprised when she left, but you know. <laughs> and, and then and then you go to the the last you got got to the judges table, and you're already just like, oh, I'm so mad about the circumstances here. And then they and then they went at you for what was it? The the eggs weren't seasoned right. Yeah, they said the egg didn't have enough salt on it, and they were what they didn't show is they were really egging me on to throw Jamie under the bus because she wasn't there, and <laughs> I just I, I refused to do it because I'm like. You know, like, just huh. say what you want to say. Like, I, I think if I was like, well, yeah, my partner did nothing. So do I leave or does she leave? I, I don't know. So I, I just refuse to do that and take the higher road of not throwing her under the bus. But um, definitely so, so argue that, with those guys. <laughs> was that scene played up, turned up the volume way higher than it actually was in real life? Yeah, no, I had I had some pretty strong emotions. <laughs> yeah, we were we were excited to see you on this season, but you did come back and say, "Hey, I'm I'm a more positive person, and uh, you know, a little bit different than what you remember maybe at that at that last time." A question for you: So the interviews are always interesting because they do a beautiful job of making it seem like you're kind of commentating in real time, right? Mm -hmm. You speak in the present, even though obviously the event has happened in the past like what is what are the do's and don'ts of i mean the interviews are so important they are the connective tissue of the show like mm -hmm. what are the sort of do's and don'ts of the interview when how soon do they grab you do they grab you mid-challenge like what how does that work the karen's had the same outfit the entire season right so if you notice from season one until now like for this time they pick out like two shirts that we will wear the entire season. So they have a whole binder for each one of us with a whole like bunch of questions. And, you know, they can ask us any questions about any challenge at any point that we've participated in and they can loop it together because they want us to also to have our hair done the same way. So like go back and like see that. But then in seasons, like in the beginning on like my first season, we wore whatever we had, like whether it was a t-shirt or like whatever our hair, my hair was in a ponytail. And then, so it was harder for them to edit and to link things. So now this makes like, they've gotten, they're really good at what they do. They're really good at their job. <laughs> is there, is the show more produced now than it was earlier? I mean, sure. You know, as time goes on there in their 17th season, we all learn as we go on just from doing things, practice, doing it over and over and see how you can become more efficient. And better, it's 
it's a job and they get nominated every single year for an Emmy. So they, they definitely, it's real though. There's, there's so many, many, like the time limits are real. The challenges are real. We don't know what we're doing. They still take away like all of our, you know, books and our phones and our computers. So there is, there is still that, but I mean, their budget's larger. They look at the mm. different sets. Like our kitchen is crazy built out. Like all of the lighting, we have like sponsored aprons, all that stuff. So it's, there's a lot more perks than there used to be. I'm going to make a confession here. This is really embarrassing. I didn't know until Padma turned on the lights in Last Chance Kitchen, the end of the episode, that the Last Chance Kitchen kitchen is the same as the quick fire kitchen yep oh yeah when i didn't know that yeah I, we, uh, the lighting is so different that i just didn't put two and two together i'm such an idiot i was like oh my god the last chance kitchen kitchen is the same as the quick fire mm -hmm. a moron <laughs> yeah they uh they know what they're doing they they have a different like culinary director they've had the same culinary director for a long time leanne was the culinary director for you know, I think five or six seasons and who she trained underneath her, Sandy Birdsong, she is now, she's been the culinary director for years. So they have a lot of consistency. They have a lot of the same, um, you know, back, back of the house, like the film crew, lighting guys, camera guys, uh, producers. I've seen so many of them over the years that just continue to come back. And so it's kind of going back and seeing a bunch of old friends and family. So it's, a lot more comfortable than what it used to be. Like, mm. it's fun. It's fun going back. What are the parameters of the Whole Foods, like, supermarket sweep? Like, like how – I mean, clearly they don't clear out other customers. Like, that, that's, that is always fascinating. Uh, do they? I kind of feel like they do they? To, right? No, they don't. I wish they, I wish they I did. I would camp out at that Whole Foods. I wish they did, but they totally do not. And that's, like, the scariest thing because there's just people, like, shopping – and like, la, la, la. And we're running through with carts, like screaming at like time and there's cameras and, you know, you go up to like get an ingredient and you see like a random person and we just are like animals, savages. Get away from that in, avocado. Like, <laughs> try, exactly. And, you know, one of the things this past season, we went to, we were in a Whole Foods that was brand new in LA. Burbank, and, I think. So, yeah. And they were still actually like trying to figure out all of their you know, ordering and all that stuff too. And in the beginning, we were doing so many challenges a week that they didn't even have time to restock. So like we would go in and like, we cleared out all of like one spice and we're like, how do you not have, how do you not have like brown sugar? How do you not have uh, like herbs here? How do you not have this? And they're like, we don't. I'm like, don't you have any more fish or meat? And it was so, it was like, besides battling with each other, we were actually battling with, all of the like customers and clients that were going to shop at Whole Foods. How many, um, how many dishes do you come armed with? And I don't mean like final dishes that are composed completely, but in the back of your head, you, I mean, look, nobody knows the rhythms of the show, the demands of the shows, how mm -hmm. they kind of do this. I mean, you, you have as uh, a good a peek at behind the curtain as anybody. How many do you come sort of like, hey, there's going to be this kind of challenge. This is sort of what I'm going to do. Right. Like I, I have, they take everything away. So as soon as we get to the house, like we, like I had a blank notebook and I'm like, okay, 
now I can just start like writing, writing my ideas, writing my, oh, yeah. you know, the stuff like the recipes that I want to get down, down like as quick as I can. And like I came with, I came with three different desserts that I was armed with. You know, I came with lots of different sauces in mind, at least 50 different sauces because you can, you know, maneuver them in and out of different challenges and try and make them work and fit that challenge and make mm. that story make sense with it. Um, you know, proteins, whatever, like I'm, it's all about what the challenge is and making it work. So there's, there's probably, you know, if you make it through, you're doing at least, at least 30 different dishes if you're doing quick fires and elimination challenges. So I noticed that Gregory or on this episode, I noticed maybe it's been happening. I just didn't notice it. They had like notebooks Mm -hmm. that they had like recipes in. So that's what you're talking about is like when you get to the house, you can start writing out your recipes and you're writing out your, your plans. Yeah. I mean, because that's what we all do as chefs. Like we literally just write when we're inspired, but we always have everything organized. And instead of like having everything jumbled in our mind and like trying to really like think on the fly, you're thinking on the fly. And like, for me, like I had different sections of my notebooks. Like I was like, okay, here's sauces, here's like garnishes, here's like crunchy stuff, and here's you can like different that. textures. And yeah, we have that with us in our in our knife roll with us at all times. If we don't want it, you don't have to use it. But it's definitely a help. Like when we were sitting in like the stew room or something, like you just start writing. So How, I mean, so and I've said this a million times, I said it on the pilot of our, our podcast, like, and I don't mean to sound obsequious. I am in awe of you guys. Like, I, I, I'm a decent home cook. I do some nice work. I've got a repertoire of dishes. Like, I'm thinking about Voltaggio last night, or, or Thursday night, rather. And and it was like, the guy's doing a tomato dashi. Like, I've tried to do that. It takes, like, a zillion hours. You have to put the thing with the cheesecloth in the damn fridge, and then you got to frigging get it so clear. And, and, like, it takes a while to do the consomme. And then you got to add all the fucking bonita flakes. And, like, how the hell is he doing this like what you guys accomplish in a quick fire i'm just like it's like you have 20 minutes like i can't it takes me 20 minutes to chop three onions it's you know we really know we we've learned how to like really incorporate flavor into things super quickly obviously if we were at our restaurants we wouldn't be doing it that way but we know malarkey how to, flipping the pan for the for, for the, the risotto. risotto you know like we have definitely do shortcuts and we add, you know, more aromatics in, or you do a larger batch just to get a more like condensed, like flavor, you know, Voltaggio is extremely talented and a very, very like technique driven. So he knows how to get like that clear dashi pretty quickly, but yeah, you you should let that hang like overnight in order for it to just be like a crystal clear sauce. But like if you threw, I don't think he did, but like if you threw like liquid nitrogen into it, like you could freeze it and then like, let it melt if you had time too, but there's no time for even like that melting. So you just have to f- figure it out. <laughs> all right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Best, tw- I mean, and cause it's quarantine. We're all cooking a lot. Best 20 minute recipe for an intermediate chef at home. Best 20 minute recipe. And I've got access to a lot of proteins. I do a lot of chicken, fish, you know, I mean, I would, one of the simplest things I I think it's simple is cooking a whole fish on the bone, not having to like fillet it, not having to break it down. You're getting a lot of flavor. You don't have to do much to it. You can add 
salt and pepper, stuff the cavity with some lemon and herbs, get like a medium high like pan, little oil, get it seared, throw it in the oven, and you're good. Serve it with some rice or like a fresh leg, uh, like broccoli and tomato salad, and you're done. <laughs> Tom, you're Greek. We need to get into some whole fish at home. Like that, that you're right. Well, like sure. that's, you gotta what, am I not, that, what am I doing yeah, not doing that? You got to have that at Spice Fish, right? Some sort of whole fish. Yeah, we, we do a whole fish with tremula and a preserved lemon rice, um, tons of fresh herbs. And it's just, it's simplicity, but it's simplicity done really well. Simplicity is not easy to do sometimes. Right, this, I, I love, this is, yeah. Kevin, this is a very serious conversation right now about recipes and things to do in a pandemic. All I want to know is who turned up that uh, the heat on your dish, the coriander, cauliflower, the the cream, the base, the base of your dish. Who the, oh. who turned it up? Who turned it up? Look at, you know who it is. <laughs> I know, know exactly who it is. <laughs> I know exactly who it is. And I gave them the opportunity to admit it and they didn't. So, you know, Eric, I don't, Eric, Eric should have, Eric should have fallen on that sword. <laughs> And by Maybe. the way, was it, was it intentional or was it subconscious? I don't think anything. I don't think it was intentional by any means. Not in an all-star season. He's no, a good dude. He's, he's a really, really good guy. I you know, none of us are there to sabotage each other. We all actually like want each other to do well. And as you see, like we help each other out. We talk to each other. We actually talk about recipes and how we're going to make things and what we're making. We're not they're secretive, like hiding things. We all, everyone there is really good. And you know, it's, it's, what's the point of sabotage? Jen, Jen's too good. She's not going to say who it was, but I, I know, I know up here who it was. We know on the show. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Jen, I need a couple minutes to just sing about Philadelphia's food scene because like, and by the way, one of the disappointments of the NBA season being suspended out, I, I was supposed to be in Philadelphia for the playoffs covering the Sixers. And like, the depth of restaurants in the last couple of years, like, I, I mean, I'm just, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. the Raya, like obviously Hardina for Indonesian food. I go to Goldie because it's right by my hotel for lunch, like three times a week. I love Vernick. I love Royal Izakaya after the game. It's open late. You get that Shirashi at like 1130. That's mm-hmm. special. They cut up all the fish. Like Soraya, and I think I mentioned it, is like great. Like I had a great meal at Serpico and like that, Shoe Fish Town. There's a place in Kensington now called Cadence that is just mm-hmm. this cute little place. I mean, and on and on and on. I mean, just to say nothing of like, you know, all the, the lowbrow food that is just so good, the sandwiches, everything like that. Like Woodrow's Sandwich Shop is this place that I discovered. And it was just like, it was a ridiculous <laughs> sandwich. And like Cosme's Deli, like the roast pork hoagie with the broccoli rape like it's just like the city and, and what is it is it that like what, what and tell me if i'm right here like this is a guy who lives in la by the way right i live in los angeles but but right. I, it seems like in a way that you can't in new york or washington or boston or san francisco and even los angeles now like you can't a young chef can't afford that rent in those places like you can't pull it off but in philadelphia like a young chef can just throw stuff against the wall like there's there's you can you can open a 28 seater like you can do Mm -hmm. that and it's just like and i just think that's my theory of like why it punches so far above its weight like it's just it's like my favorite food city in america uh i 1000 percent agree with you and you named some of my very favorite restaurants right there and 
I think one of the best things about Philadelphia is that we are such a community and all of the people that live there support their restaurants so strongly and they don't just go back to like the same one every single night. They travel out and they go to different ones and Philly is really compact too in like the downtown central area. So you can go from neighborhood to neighborhood and it's so welcoming and to young chefs coming up, you can open up a BYOB, like you were saying, without having to worry about like getting a liquor license and have a smaller like 28 seats restaurant. Or you can go larger like Soraya that has, you know, mm, so good. It's it's huge and, and they and have that, that space huge outdoor just, area. Oh. It's gorgeous. It's oh. gorgeous. By the way, I neglected to mention Laurel, which yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I just kind of was like running off my list. Um, and I had a great meal at Sate Kampar. And I should also mention Zahav, like the old standby. Like, God, that's great. Mm-hmm. And their whole empire and that, you know, that place for hummus and that place for, you know, the Goldies, as I said. Yeah, I, I just, yep. it, it's also everybody's cool. Like there's, I have never encountered attitude the, ever in a Philadelphia restaurant. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just, as you said, it just kind of feels like everybody's in it. That, that like by producing a good restaurant you're sort of you're this is your civic duty as a chef and I just get that again I I just I love eating there and what I mean one of the best things too about the restaurant community in Philly is that all of the chefs are so super collaborative and so supportive of each other and I haven't found that I've lived in a bunch of different cities and I've never Mm. found that anywhere that is just you know really out to like help each other out like we're all like Right now, like during the pandemic, we are all on the phone with each other, like trying to figure out the best ways of how to get open. What what have you done? What are you going to do? Who should we reach out to? How are it's we a real chef community. together? Yeah, yeah, it truly is. So I I feel really lucky to number one, I've been born there, but to have my restaurant there and to you know have the community that I do surrounding me. Yeah, we had uh, Eddie Conrad on the show last year, and it was yeah, the same conversation awesome. of just like ever ever just. Didn't we look, Kevin, what a great character on the show. What a great person. Oh, I mean, because again, like he speaks to me, as you know, Tom, like, like that, that's my spirit animal, Eddie. <laughs> like, like, like the intensity, the, like, the, you know, the, the barely contained neuroticism. Like I, I just, I, I love Eddie. And by the way, he treated me, I went to Laurel, like I got in and I forget, like, I think I got in from Los Angeles. Like I was exhausted. It was eight o'clock. It was an 845 seating. And I sat alone and they just. I mean, it was, it's like, this is what I love about my job. Like the, the mm-hmm. night off sitting in a restaurant in a different city. We've got all these fun relationships now. Tom and I have been so lucky. You guys have all treated us so well. We get to, I mean, Tom had the flam experience in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, everywhere I go, it's just wonderful. And I just love, I mean, it's, that's also the coolest thing about doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of connections pretty quickly. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole nature of us in the restaurant world is hospitality and it's giving back and sharing something that we love with you to, you know, make a memory, to make an impression, to have a good time. There there shouldn't ever be an ego in food or an ego or, you know, pretension or anything like that when, you know, you, we want you to feel comfortable and feel at home and I think that's one of the great things that all of us who are on this season of Top Chef have excelled at of just, you know, being generous and having that like loving, caring want to share with everybody. Okay. Speaking of community, um, you know, the all-star season, everyone kind of knows each other on some level because they've been part of Top Chef already. There's some, a little bit more camaraderie. 
every season we get a little bit of a dose of a villain. And this season, um, you're smirking. I can see you're smiling over there. Um, Malarkey, Brian Malarkey is Kevin has said many, many times he's warming up to Brian. Like he's, he's coming around on Brian as a character on the show. Uh, and he, and we're starting to like him. So what is Brian Malarkey like on camera, off camera, same dude, or is he, is he, is he a showsman? He is a showsman through and through. He was the first person up in the morning in the house. Like he would wake up at 4 a.m. before everybody, no matter what we did like the night before. He would have have worked out, went swimming, had coffee, had breakfast before anyone came down. And I usually woke up pretty early and he was always like, hey, Jen, good morning. How you doing? And I'm like, please let me get some coffee first. And he just, he has so much energy that it's just out of control. I wish that I had that, you know, a quarter of that amount of energy. But, you know, listen, Malarkey knows how to, you know, play up to the camera. He knows how to, you know, be in your face and to like create that like extra level of drama. And he, he does it really well. And I just, I think it's funny. Like for me, it was just like pure entertainment. I'm like, oh my God, Malarkey, like, what are you doing? And I, like, I think one of the funniest moments this past season was the first time that he made ice cream and Kelly Clarkson was on for like the quick fire. Yes. <laughs> yes. The so curd. Yes. He was working next to me and I just, like, I was laughing so hard this entire seat, like that entire challenge because he had everything in the whole kitchen on his table he got every single troll doll and had them like set up like it was like a whole like front and besides like the curd they're like you know it's tastes kind of like ice cream candy too and he's like exactly that's yeah. exactly what i was going for like and he just he definitely plays it off and he knows what he's doing he's he's you know he's a really good guy at heart <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's right he's very smart he's very very smart and calculated I mean, I, you know, again, I, at first I thought it was obnoxious and then I realized it was shtick and I sort of appreciated it. Mm-hmm. But I, it, you kind of bring up something that I just love about the show, which is it, it's sort of, I mean, being basketball writers, like every player has its own style, right? Like there, some players are very deliberate, others are sort of explosive and you don't know what the hell they're doing on it. And it's sort of like that with chefs is getting to observe stylistically and how each of you, each of you comes to your creation in a different way like some people are very you know sort of linear thinkers and that you know and others are just like the mad scientists and and i this is like one of the cooler things about kind of again i think it's why tom and i approach this as like these sports writers like eh, it's this is like this is like the nba except it's food. Like ben simmons and joel Embiid trying, hey, to, trying yeah. to win a championship there's mm-hmm. they're very different personalities <laughs> but they have to somehow work together yeah yeah, I mean, you, you you can see it, you know, you've seen the whole season, everyone's saying, all right, Brian, you have edit, your problem with like editing because you just want to like throw more stuff on. And then you see the restraint that Melissa has and that like Gregory has and that I've been trained to have. So it's everybody is completely different. And one of the things like I say in the kitchen, too, is like, I can even if we were all making the same exact dish with the same ingredients, they're all going to come out differently. And if I hand 10 cooks in my kitchen a recipe that they've never made before, I'm going to get 10 different recipes. I'm going to get 10 different dishes. So, yeah. What did you think of the Last Chance Kitchen? 
the the, 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 the three part episode or whatever. What'd you what'd you think? I loved it. I was I I thought that was a great twist that they did. I loved how Gregory stepped up and was like, "Yeah, I'm going to take you on. I'm going to ba- I'm going to battle you." I and uh, like, not being afraid. I was really it was a gutsy move. That was a gutsy move by Kevin to just be like, "Hey, you guys choose, right?" Like I know that, that was yeah. a, that was a plot twist. I was yeah, I was not expecting that. I had a feeling that he was going to pick Malarkey just because Brian. You know, I was like, hmm, is he picking Brian? Because Brian and him also had like a pact, like in the beginning was like, okay, we're going to make sure that we're in it at the end. And like, we Mm. all talked about it ahead of time because, you know, we're all from season six and everything like that. And I'm like, hmm, wait a minute. Brian going to lose this on purpose to get Kevin back in. Like when I watched that this morning, I'm like, because I saw Kevin like go back to looking. Kevin's like looking at Brian. I'm like, are you going to do this for me? Are you going to let me back in? Are you actually going to battle me? But he you ended know? up losing to Voltage. He ended up losing. So hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I like know. That theory. So I, I was like, huh. And like you hear, you hear Brian in the beginning, like touring. He's like, you know, do I root for him to come back in because he's one of my good, like, long-term friends and, you know, we talked about going to the end or do I want him out because he is a really tough competitor, but everybody there is a tough competitor. <laughs> Did you know that you were going to be going to this all-star season with those guys that you were in Vegas with, like, that uh, season? I knew I knew some of the people that were going back on uh, because when they called me up, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, in order to like convince me, they were like, they told me that Brian and Kevin were going. And I'm like, done. I'm like, Brian and Kevin are going back. I'm like, I have to go back. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, I want to give you like chance. And I, I know you talked about it earlier, what you're working on. Do you have anything specific you want to I say pitch that always sounds, <laughs> but, but do you have anything that you want to kind of uh, give the audience? Um, right now, besides the YouTube channel, it's called cooking with the carols, go on, subscribe, like watch all the videos I'm just doing right now, doing some like fun, like basic, simple cooking stuff. Uh, we're going to start involving, I, ha- I have little rabbits, so we're going to start involving them in, in, a, in like a cute way. But also, yeah, yeah, not cooking, not cooking not those rabbits. Co- no, not, not as the meal, as, as <laughs> props. Okay, yeah. just, just checking. I did, I did read that you have once had five rabbits. So what's the rabbit count right now? We're at, we're at three. We, okay. um, in the beginning of March, we lost, we lost two of them, sadly. Oh. But uh, we're, at, we're at three right now. And uh, yeah, they're so cute. <laughs> but besides that, if you go to my website at eatccc.com, that's my culinary experience experience and like catering company, I'm getting ready to put up a bunch of different classes that you can buy and, um, you know, talk, give me an email to let's set up some sort of travel or partnership or some dinner together. Jen, thank you so much for giving us your time. This was a sincere pleasure. Thank yes. you. I'm so happy that I finally got to get on. <laughs> oh, was it? Wait, was this a thing you wanted to? I feel like I feel like. Well, I feel like done, everyone's been on. <laughs> I know. We've got we've got some tough choices to make, Kevin, because we're coming down to the home stretch here. I know. And like, I didn't know Karen was a a power lifter. Found that out on the show, and 
I'd love to talk to her about that. That was like, holy, Yo, yeah. That was crazy. Like I saw her doing that and I was like, like that was for real. <laughs> so I was like, crazy. Hell? Also she had the like, right technique and every, I was like, she, this oh, is not she's just. professional. Yeah. She's right. for real. But like, what is the Venn diagram between power lifters who were also musical theater majors? <laughs> It is chef. Like wow, that and is chef, right? Like, like, like. It is, I, I, she is probably the only powerlifting musical theater major chef in the world. <laughs> I, I would have to agree. Wow, that is amazing. Anyway, Jen, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Jen. This Thank was a real you. pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Tom, any closing thoughts? Oh man. Um, I'm a little bit. I'm wavering right now, Jen. Wavering wow. on on Gregory. I, I know you can't tell us anything, but yeah, um, I know I know it all. I know everything that has happened. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the recording is still on, Jen. So don't mm-hmm. don't slip oh, here. I you're will. you're a seasoned veteran on this. You yeah, know, you're really good at that. But I'm I'm so I have in on our, my fantasy team uh, Gregory, Voltaggio, and Melissa. And mm-hmm. two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have felt like I'm I'm set. I've got I got the champ. I'm no no questions about it. I got the chance. And now Kevin's got Gillespie. Gillespie is back. Malarkey's hanging back. around. Stephanie's, Stephanie's riding on, on a oh, Malarkey is so, this oh, so I'm I'm feeling real nervous. I I'm feeling more nervous this week than I've had in the entire season about my three, my big three. Yeah. It's anybody's it's anybody's to lose. Everybody, Any- everybody can everybody can be the top chef. Anybody's mm. competition. Uh-huh. It's amazing. For Tom Haberstro, for Jen Carroll, thank you for joining us. And this is Kevin Arnovitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Mm-hmm.